everyone. Welcome to Perspectives. I am your host, Martina, and this is the lovely Seth. Yes, and welcome to our continued series on Shattering the Veil. We've, uh, well, at this point, uh, you should have listened to uh, two of our guest speakers around their experience in healthcare and as it relates to disparities um, and white supremacy as uh, as they've seen it from their from their perspectives in their professions. We had uh, Dr. Mejia, who is a physician that's been here in the United States since the early 2000s. And then we had Carmen come on and really uh, do a good overview of how healthcare is a business. And um, myself and Lucetta have learned a lot from all of those episodes and just really kind of eye-opening. And I hope you all have gotten a chance to listen or watch or do both. If you have not, we would recommend you go back and listen to those two videos or watch them or again, do both. Um, because we're really just gonna kind of continue into this series uh, over the next few episodes to look at healthcare um, and disparities that exist in healthcare and I think for most anybody that's watching, watching or listening to our podcast or channel, uh, know that this is nothing new. <laughs> Disparities have been around for quite some time. And so in the next 30 minutes or so, Lisette and I are going to spend some time talking about the history of disparities as they exist in this country, in the United States, particularly around African-Americans, but also around minorities just in general. Um, and so, yeah, I think we just get right into it, Lisette. Anything... You want to say, or we just ready to go in? I think we can just dig in. Um, I think shattering the veil, just that title alone, really speaks to what we've been hearing and and what we are trying to bring to light. Right? Like, there's all these things that really impact healthcare. It's not just your diet. It's not just exercise. Mm -hmm. um, particularly if you are a person of color in this country like there's all these factors that kind of are a reason why and we've heard so much about it um and i think today um we'll really dig in a little bit to the history uh of it of those disparities particularly fr from like uh i think the the black perspective right because i think we we found a timeline and i'll be honest it was i found it or learned about this timeline uh because i was <laughs> listening to a I was part of a, a Black History Month um, sort of kind of learning moment. Mm -hmm. uh, and they talked about this timeline. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it's online or who came up with this. So I went and looked for it um, and you know, found it and was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is when you see it from the health disparities and the timeline, particularly how it's impacted African-Americans um, and historically a lot of the things that we're talking in the present day mm -hmm. historically have been yep. there and have you know and continue to be there like that's it it's it, it's frustrating it's sort of just like oh my goodness why are we still fighting this and we know the answers like you know martina you and i always say like we know why the we're answer. here yes we know the answer, but you still just have to ask the question because it's just so frustrating to yeah. see. Um, and I think one of them, kind of one of the things that we were that we looked at the the timeline, and we'll make sure to kind of include um, the the timeline and, and the links that we always kind of share in the description. Well, yeah, um, was about um, 
you know, the, the activist uh, Dubois who talked uh, about it in a book that, you know, health outcomes for blacks and whites had to do more with living conditions than your genetics. Um, I think that was like 1899. If I'm... Yep, 1899. And, and it's like, wait, <laughs> we have known that long <laughs> and nothing has really changed because as you all, if you have been following us and listening to us when we, we were talking a lot about COVID, a lot of those same conversations were coming up of like, oh my gosh, it's because of where you live. It's because mm -hmm. of what's your environment. Like that's really has led to these disparities and the access around COVID and then the, you know, the, the health disparities around that. And it's like, look, this has been somewhere in the book since 1899. Somewhere. I'm sure somebody probably mentioned it unofficially before he did. Yeah. It's you know, like, not even longer. You know, and then here we are, you know, 2022, still talking and still trying to rectify mm -hmm. that particular disparity, right? Like that particular nuance of like, you're, you know, because there's a lot of things like your zip code determines your health outcomes mm -hmm. and it shouldn't. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things of like, here we are, 2022. I don't know how long ago from 1899 to 2022 it is. Because my, my brain doesn't do math uh, on the on the quicks, but it's it's one of those things like man, it's just been too long uh, to still be trying to grapple with this and try to change that, um, you know. But but yeah, I think that that's just one of those things that I know we talked on the timeline. But Martina, I don't know if there's anything in your end from that. Well, that to help you a little bit with the math, uh, it's a little bit probably like 119, 120 years, probably give or take. Um, and yeah, since since he wrote, um, he wrote this book, it was called, it was called The um, Philadelphia Negro. Um, and he explained and talked about um, these, these different health, health outcomes between blacks and whites. And, you know, particularly, again, it just got me thinking about 2020, you know, when the, when the pandemic here in the United States really ramped up and we had a lockdown. And still, you know, um, personally, I was just at a dinner last night and talking to a friend of mine and she's not American born. And she's been here in this country almost 10 years now. And she was just saying, even for her coming from somewhat of a, a war-torn country, um, she didn't realize everything that had happened to African-Americans and people of color in this country. And also 2020 for her was a really big wake-up call. Uh, I mean, also, you know, she is someone that that's not natively born here. So it is somewhat understandable that, you know, she doesn't know all the history here in the United States, but we got people who were born and raised here <laughs> who also kind of light bulb went off in, in 2020 and really COVID just uh, really just put everything out there. I mean, I think people got to see how African-Americans and brown people, you know, if you had these certain uh, comorbidities or these um, pre-existing conditions like hypertension, diabetes, so forth, how COVID was affecting those communities. And then people, you know, probably looked, oh, well, why, you know, hypertension, diabetes, such a, you know, a big, a big part of, these communities of colors, which of course you gotta look back to all the all the systemic racism of why a lot of people of color do have all these various health conditions and high cholesterol and so forth. Like you can run the gamut. And 
to me, I guess because, hey, I've been black my whole life. I'm going to be black my whole life. I'm Yes, this is how it is. And I'm completely happy with that. And I guess for me, it wasn't a big thing. And I think, you know, I can speak for a few black folks here. I don't know about everybody. Um, it wasn't like we didn't know what was going on. But so many other groups of people, I think particularly white people and the people who may not be native to this country, um, it was like people were just really taken aback by how big the healthcare and medical gaps are here between whites and people of color, particularly, I think, you know, where you live. Like if you live in an inner city, if you live in a rural area, if you live in a small, there's all sort of tick marks that affect where you're living and who you are as a person. And to me, that's still like, I'm chuckling because it's just, it's just so funny because these are things that I have always known, like I won't say always known, but I know, I knew before 2020 about yeah. these disparities. And I, you know, I do work in healthcare, so I have sort of an advantage to be able to know what is happening. But still to me, it's always just so interesting. Like 2020, people just really were taken back about these things. And I'm like, y'all, this is nothing new. Like, where have you been? And it's almost to me where people, white people particularly, have really disconnected themselves. Like they only, and I guess, you know, all of us in many ways, you only see what you want to see. And that's kind of, you know, to me, that's what 2020 did in many ways. White people were not able to see what they wanted to see. They saw it all. They just were able to actually go behind the veil, I think a little bit to kind of see that, well, shit, we in the 21st century and this is happening to people of color. Like, wow. You know, I mean, because Taylor, you looked here in Chicago. I mean, we, we have, you know, the little white kids out there protesting, going on marches. Not saying our people are not out there doing it too, but they were out there. They were out there leading these marches and protests. And it was just like, it's, I mean, like I said, it's just so funny and so interesting that it's still, like you said, over a hundred years since 1899. And we're still in the same, same, same place. I mean, yeah. we have advanced, but every time we advance, we take 20 steps back mm -hmm. um, because, of course, we have white people or white supremacy, I should say, who are looking at this and like, well, we can't let them get too far ahead. We don't want them to be better than us. Honey, that ain't even what it's about. We're just trying to have a decent living, send our kids to school, have access to great health care like everybody else. Why is this, it's just such such an issue in this in this comment. I mean, such an issue in this country. But that's all I'm gonna say about that right now. Yeah, I think you make a, a good point when you talk, when we kind of look at like the white supremacy, right? And the, and the reason why we're always, you know, 20 steps behind, 10 steps behind, because it's so baked into our system. And we, we talk about that a lot. and. But you, you see it, like, you see it just every time where you're, like, you make an advance, but, like, these white supremacist uh, systems and laws and policies and regulations and everything that's to benefit, you know, white people will always keep us behind. It doesn't matter how much advances you make. It isn't until you impact and you start changing those policies those laws and you mm -hmm. really start looking at the the leadership that is in whether it's companies whether it's institutions and and really start for them to grapple like okay what do i need to do like 
you know, do I need to step away and give black leaders a chance and, and, and do that? And I'm not saying you're going to step down from your, your position. Like if you're a CEO, whatever, like nobody's asking you to step down, mm -hmm. but you do got to have those voices there to guide and to sort of provide that honest feedback and, and, and allow those, you know, diverse voices to come out and, and really let you know, like, here's what needs to happen or here's what needs to be done and here's how we do it and let them take, let them do it and take the lead, but pay them. For pay them. And let them do it how they see it to yep. be done. Because I think a lot of times we do have the few black and brown and Asian folks that we can get into some of these higher positions. White people, well, obviously white people or the white supremacist systems think that A, that they put you there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we want you to do it how we want you to do it. Yes. And if you're not doing it that way, you're being disruptive. Like this is not how we wanted this to go. And that to me gets on my nerves too, because I see that in a lot of corporate America. I know that's not what we're talking about today, but okay, we'll we'll, we'll, bring we'll it back. make yeah we'll make turn back. But I see that, and, and I know that's not just in corporate. It's probably just across the across the spectrum in terms of uh, oh, workplace systems. Yeah, just in healthcare. We'll talk about yeah. corporate America. Healthcare systems are corporate. They are business. Like, yes, yes, they are business. And so, but, you know, let, let these people do it how they see fit. That's what you brought them on for, you know? Um, and if they're doing it differently than how you envision, well, then that's too bad because these white systems have been doing things how they wanted to do since the beginning of time. And so it's time for something new. It's time to do something different because we're putting all these band-aids on it and giving a little bit of money here and fixing a little policy here. That ain't doing nothing. That ain't doing nothing. It's just, again, putting this band-aid on it. Oh, it's to say, oh, you know, just to say I did something, but yeah. this ain't helping anybody long and, and down the long run. Like a lot of things nowadays, there's no sort of sustainability. It's just to say you did something. I think you bring up such a good point about how people think making these like, you know, donations or providing, you know, scholarships to students are, are, are going to be the answer to, to kind of balance things out or create equity or sort of, or are going to lead down to equity. I'm like, how many students individuals haven't gotten you know whether it's grant funding whether it's scholarships whether it's x y and z and we continue to have the same issues yeah you know and, and it's the same thing with healthcare, right like you know just because you you know you say like okay we're going to you know focus on health equity and we're you know we're going to you know uh you know ask you a few questions when you come in and see if you need food or or something and then we're going to have a referral system to win for you to have access to food i was like great that's nice but that still doesn't change or really change the system and the issue yeah because then i'll always need that emergency kind of help versus how do i why don't i just get paid enough why don't i just have access to the health care what if you know because we were like well you can expand medicaid and you can expand all these things and it's like but that's only for a certain group of people mm -hmm. right and there's all these other people who 
need access to care and don't have it. Um, and it's always been used as a way to leave certain people out, to not allow them to have access to it, to like, you know, and then, you know, historically it is because of racist, you know, it started out with racist individuals who then created racist policies and systems and and regulations and here we are like so just you know we, we look at sort of okay yeah they knew that your living conditions and not your genetics had it you know not always your genetics haven't have an impact on your health outcomes in 1899 yeah and the same is true in 2022 <laughs> um so you know over 100 years nothing has changed because your zip code still determines your health outcomes. Um, you know, there's this thing here in Chicago where they talk about the death gap. You know, there's a book out there, a whole, <laughs> uh, that, a whole book that talks about the death gap and talks about how, you know, people who live in downtown Chicago have, you know, longer life expectancy than those that live, you know, just a 15 minute, whether it's train or, or, uh, car drive from downtown Chicago, like stark differences, and there's like I think it's a, it's not a thirty year, I think it's like a fifteen year, <laughs> a gap. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it has. It's somewhat shortened actually, which it's still pretty big, but it 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 is shortened, but it's still a gap. But I do know that there is a thirty year gap somewhere in in Englewood. There is a thirty year gap. I have heard about that. Um, I can't remember where, like, in sort of that downtown north side of the Chicago area, but for those things to still exist, and we know it is because of living conditions, is, you know, I know it sounds like we're harping on it, but it's just like... Well, we have to keep harping on it because, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I use this analogy, and I love animals, but, you know, you got to keep beating a dead horse, you know? You got to you keep doing it because, you know, like you just said, you know, Medicare and Medicaid, ACA, the Disability Act, Civil Rights Act, all these other things that have come along, they've helped somewhat, I think. But, you know, when you look at Medicare and Medicaid, those are very two different systems and they are extremely difficult for the everyday person to navigate. Okay, there's a reason we have experts who just focus on Medicare or who just focus on Medicaid or who just focus on disabilities. Those are very different, difficult areas to tread. And I think some of that diff difficulty is also a systemic issue. I think some of it is probably built that way to keep people confused. And it doesn't have to be as confusing and as difficult as it is. And it always feels like that it's always just a Band-Aid to cover something up. It's like, why do we have to have all these different departments and different systems instead of just having the universal health care? <laughs> that we talk about on here just yeah. like what I, you know why is that so difficult and I understand there's a lot of logistics that goes into that it's going to be a lot of money that goes into that people people are going to lose money well mainly big big corporations and big pharma and all these different institutions are probably going to lose money but what is the cost you know we keep going round and round in circles these same damn issues we've been talking about for over a hundred years you know and it's like if we don't make it make things any better, then we're just gonna keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And it's just it's just a, a, a perpetual cycle. And and it's not just white people. I think black and brown and 
and minority folks. It is a lot to deal with. It's a lot to understand. Um, and people are tired. They're exhausted. And yet, you know, folks are like, why can't, why can't we just go walk in and see the doctor? Why can't I just go get that eye exam? I got to go to this, that, and another. I got to see if my insurance is accepted. If not, I'm going to be paying out the ass for that. Um, and that, and that's if you got the money. Um, and so it's just, you know, there's a better way to do these things. We don't have all the answers. We ain't trying to have all the answers. We're not the experts in all of these things. There are people out here who are the experts in the field we got. This is a very wealthy country, despite what people may think <laughs> and what's happening. We're just sitting on a gold mine here in the United States, to me, to be able to do, really do something about this. Because again, we're going to be talking about the same shit 100 years from now. The same shit. I hope not. I'll be dead by then. But you know, I'm just saying. I, no, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's just one of those things where I always ask, you know, I ask myself, like, you know, how do we change things? Like, what needs to happen? Or how do we get out of this? Because we can't, I don't think we can survive another hundred years with the same things and the same sort of issues and, mm -hmm. and, and lack of things because it's people are getting frustrated we're getting tired it just yeah. doesn't you know what's the point like mm -hmm. you know they talk about i mean a lot of people like to you know talk down about millennials and gen z's and the other the upcoming generations because we're like we don't want to deal with this we don't want to like they're, like, oh my God, they're, they're lazy or like they, you know they don't want to i'm like Y'all promised us a certain way of life and y'all said we do these things that didn't happen. And I think, you know, I think more so like definitely like the younger millennials and sort of the Gen Zs are like, yeah, we're not going to accept these same things of doing things just exactly. because that's the way it's always yeah. been done. Um, but it's always met with resistance, right? Like there's this resistance to be like, let's move forward. And I think it's the same thing with healthcare, you have these younger generations who are like, like, why are we paying an astronomical amount of money for to just have health insurance to begin with? Um, and then you're not covering this, this or that, or I have to like get referrals or pre-approval, or I got to do this, or I got to do that in order right. to get something, or you don't cover it because it's out of network or because it's whatever it is, or it's, you know, it's inpatient, outpatient, like all these terms. And it's like, this is too complicated. Like, you know, why, why are, why am I working so hard for somebody else? It's not even for me. Paying health insurance, and then you can even ensure that when I go, everything is covered. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I always wonder why do we have different insurance for vision and dental? Like to me, girl, don't I think that shit is so fucking ridiculous. Oh, like it's talking about you talking to a person. I was just trying to make an eye appointment this week, and literally, it's not, I don't have the same medical. I think you know, like you're saying, most of us don't. We have different insurance with Why is my vision not the same as my medical and the dental? I don't understand that. That is silly. It's in my body, right? It's all connected to one person. Why I have to have three or four different insurance for this? Like this is a this doesn't make any sense. It's a business. It is healthcare is a business. Healthcare is a business, which you know I think is a great transition to talk about 
the next up on our timeline, mm -hmm. in 1951, I think at this whole, hopefully at this point in history, a lot of people know about Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks, uh, who was a young woman who had passed away from cancer, um, from cervical cancer. And she believed she was uh, a patient at John Hopkins um, at the time. And that's where she also, I think, passed away. And medical researchers at that university uh, ended up using her cancer cells. Um, and these cells were so well used and known that they even had a name, HeLa, I think, I think that's how I'm pronouncing it, HeLa cells, because they were just used from everything to create drugs, to eliminate toxins, hormones, and even to help come up with uh, a vaccine for polio, which is all great and dandy. We love that some she was able to help society and help the medical world. But the whole time, her family had no idea this was happening, and they were not compensated for this. I think really until the 21st century, um, her family uh, started to get some sort of compensation, I think. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, and the thing is, you know, and I think this is sometime where medical and science and um, this overall justice, where lines can blur. Because you'll have scientists like, well, you know, we got to keep advancing history. You know, we got to have a cure for this, that, and other. We ain't saying that you don't. Um, but you need to get consent. And the woman had passed away. She had a whole family. She had a number of children whose children grew up. And they had families. So it was, I think, a pretty large family. Yeah. And none of these people they had gotten consent from to be able to do this. And that's, and you know, in... Again, that goes back to Johns Hopkins believing that because she was a woman, she was a black woman, that they could get away with this. You know, I'm sure if this was Betty Sue, the situation would have been different. They might would have still have used her sales to help with all these cures and things like that. But they probably would have gotten consent. And because she's a black woman, where was the consent? They just decided, oh, wow, her sales are really working. Let's take this to the next level. Let's not tell her family. And I just think that's so shitty. And anybody who says that it's not shitty is an asshole. That's all I'm going to say about that. Mic drop there. Mic drop. That's a girl. Because that is, that's fucking horrible. To use somebody's body without consent, even if you donate organs, they have to have consent for that. When people pass away and they have it on their driver's license, which I've heard shit about that too. It's a little fucked up. That, that might be another episode. That might be another but, episode. But you are supposed to get consent for these things. It's interesting because I, I went as you were uh, kind of talking or reading the timeline portion of it. I went in and looked. Um, I just kind of Googled her name mm -hmm. really quickly because I was like, I was wondering if it was John Hopkins. It was John Hopkins. Um, and they have a whole site, like uh, like this page on their website uh, about honoring Henrietta Lacks. Um, and one of the things that's on here that they put is, um, you know, John Johns Hopkins has never sold a profit from discovery or distribution of of um, the cells and does not own the rights to the cell line. So you know, they offered the cells freely and widely for scientific research. So you can tell they're trying to cover. They're trying to cover the tracks. Yeah, they shouldn't own. They shouldn't own anybody. A family should have ownership over that distribution. And then, you know, they, like, 
they say like, you know, we should have done more to inform and work with members of Henrietta Lacks family out of respect for them, their privacy and their personal interests. And then they, then this is the, 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 the sentence that as you were talking about consent, I, they, they actually address it. And they're like, though the collection and use of Henrietta Lacks styles and research was an acceptable and legal practice in the 1950s, such a practice would not happen today without the patient's consent. And that's why we have shit like the IRB, which makes sure um, it's probably that, uh, I'm, well, I'm sure it's, that is just one case. I mean, we're not going to touch too much on, on the um, um, Tuskegee experiment. That one is very well known. Uh, but that's another reason why we have IRB. You know, I've had to fill out IRB and go through the process, and it's very irritating. But it is a reason that that is in place because of these situations that have happened. Um, and so, yeah, as you said, John Hopkins is, you know, was a very well-known medical school uh, in the country and in the world. And uh, which, you know, it doesn't mean much. Every, you know, they still fucked up. Uh, but, you know, they are trying to cover their tracks. And yeah, I think, you know, there is some sort of memorial. They've tried to, you know, make their wrongs right, which, you know, I'm all for people doing right. Um, and, you know, apologizing for what they, you know, for what they did to her and to her family. But yeah, that is, um, the fact that that was even legal and, you know, they, they say it was legal. I'm not going to go look it up because that's, I don't know, but they say that was legal. That's me. You know, that is very surprising to just, just to think about women in general. Yeah. It's not surprising when you think about just women in general and then you kind of get into the black black women and, and, and other women of color. Like, it wouldn't surprise me that it wouldn't have been illegal for them to do it because, you know, men think that they can do whatever they want mm -hmm. at any point. Um, I think so. I, I can see it. I, I'm curious. Like, I don't know what triggered it to become illegal at some point like when did it become illegal like i wish they would like it's probably it's probably somebody white somebody white probably probably went through the same thing a family yep, and something happened their voice their voices got elevated and got hurt probably that's what happened so i'll be curious at what point in history if anybody knows please comment yeah please let you know because i'll be curious to know, know. When, it when it did not become an acceptable and legal practice yeah which is um, very I was just very disturbing. Like I said, no, like, I think it's a shock. Is not that but it's very disturbing. But you know, we you know, there's a lot of things on the timeline that we're not gonna have time to cover. But like, you know, like Lissette, we like Lissette said, I'm just rambling because it's just so much going on in my mind. We will link to the timeline. But I mean we can go back to, you know, the supposed father of modern gynecology, Sims, who experimented on black slaves. Um, and he tortured them. So you know, um, but I think, you know, this was an overview. I hope this gave people who are listening again and watching. Um, I hope you're curious because like I said, we haven't even really touched the iceberg on how, how we got to this point and how we've been at this point. Not much has changed. And again, we really just touched on it from an African-American perspective. We got our Native Americans, we got our Latinos, we got our Asian uh, sister and brothers out there. Uh, we got poor whites who have been experimented on. You know, there's a big gamut out there. So I hope this piqued people's interest to go and look into this and learn more and even look at ways that you can make a difference. I know it always seems like these things are bigger than us and they are, I think. But there's always something that, even if it's just a small gesture, something that we could do. So with that, I'll turn it over to Lisette to 
wrap us on up. Yeah, I think I re- I'll echo what you said, Martina. I hope people go in. We will make sure to link the the timeline, uh, the link to the timeline that we're we're kind of looking at, so you all can can see it uh, as well and kind of learn from it and you know and and do a little bit of research. Um, I think you know our you know our episode uh, this week really just we wanted to just have a conversation and and do sort of like what we've done in the past, have like a live sort of conversation around, around these things and, 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 and share a little bit of what we've researched and learned. And I think we're going to continue. I think, you know, we'll, we'll come back uh, because I know Martina mentioned the, um, the father of modern gynecology. And if you're listening, I was on quote unquote on that because even the, the, the history of that and how it started and, it's terrible and 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 i think we'll we'll kind of dig in a little bit on that portion of the timeline and talks and we'll us as women of color will probably share a little bit more uh, about our perspectives on just women's health in general maybe on uh, on, on next week's episode but um but yeah you know i will like i I mentioned we'll, we'll put the link in there uh let us know if you have any questions Please like, follow, share this out. Uh, those of you who would be interested in kind of learning more about this. Um, and and we will be back uh, with more more topics and, and more conversations for you. So have yeah. a good rest of your day, evening, wherever you're at. Wherever you are, whatever time zone. We welcome all. Yes. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.